Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Psalm chapter 130. Psalm 130. And when you find your place there, turn back a little bit to Psalm 27 and just keep both those places open. For a number of weeks now, we've been going through a series called Road Signs to Finding God's Will. Last week, uh, we, uh, we talked about faith, stepping out by faith and moving when God tells us to move and walking when He tells us to walk. Now this morning, the sign that we're going to be looking at seems like the exact opposite of the sign that we looked at last week. Today we're going to look at the stop sign and we're going to talk about waiting But what I want to tell you today is that uh, the no parking sign that we looked at last week when we talked about faith and the stop sign that we're going to look at today and talk about waiting are not opposites at all, but they are really, in a sense, like a left hand and a right hand coming together and fitting perfectly within each other, complementing each other. Psalm 130, verse 5 says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in His Word I put my hope. Now turn back to your place in Psalm 27, verse 14. It says, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart, and wait for the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you now and we ask for your help because we know that we need it and that without your presence and without your power, this is nothing more than a civic club meeting, nothing more than a social club. But God, we know that your power is here because this is your church. So we ask you to move through your word today as it is spoken. Lord, there's nothing that I can say that will truly help anybody here. But we know that you have the words of eternal life. And so we pray that those words would speak to each person here today, starting with me. And I pray that they would do whatever work you need them to do in our lives this morning. Help us, Lord, to be attentive Help us to focus upon you and push everything else aside. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. A traffic cop was on his regular duty one day years ago in Memphis, Tennessee, when he clocked the driver going 45 miles an hour in a 25 mile an hour speed zone. He turned on his lights and his siren and pulled the driver over got out of his car and was walking over to the, to the motorist who had already lowered the window. And he was about to ask the driver for his license and registration when he looked in the window and recognized that the man he had just pulled over was Memphis, Tennessee's most famous preacher of the day, Dr. R.G. Lee. And he recognized him immediately because he'd seen him on television a number of times and he said, Dr. Lee, do you realize you were going 45 in a 25 zone? He said, sir, you must slow down. 
Dr. Lee said, young man, I cannot do God's work at 25 miles an hour. (laughs) You know, we're all in a hurry today. All of us are. We're in a hurry to get God's work done. We're in a hurry to get our work done. A friend of another famous preacher, Dr. Philip Brooks, one day walked into Dr. Brooks' office and caught him pacing back and forth in the room. And he said, is everything okay? Is something wrong? He said, yes, something's wrong. He said, I'm in a hurry and God is not. You ever felt that way? And I'll tell you, folks, the the culture that we live in today does nothing to cultivate patience in our lives. Nothing. Everything is fast-paced. Everything is designed to speed things up, to save us time, to be instant. And yet, I don't know about you, but I find that the more time-saving gadgets I acquire, the less time I seem to have. Waiting is a very difficult thing to do. You may have noticed that whenever you're in a hurry, God seems to typically not be. And one of the most difficult things that you and I can ever, ever learn in the Christian life is to wait for the hand of God to move on our behalf and for God to show up in that situation. It's very difficult to wait in the midst of uncertain times. You know, the time between getting a concerning medical report and having to go for the tests that follow can just be absolutely devastating. The time between the biopsy and receiving the final report can be excruciating. The time between hearing the news that your position at work has been terminated and finding another job can seem like an eternity. And the time between doing what God has told you to do and waiting for Him to fulfill His promise in that situation can be absolutely unbearable. And life is filled, it's filled with prolonged, excruciating times of waiting on God when so often His voice seems silent and His leading seems non-existent. And any Christians who are ill-equipped for these agonizing times can very easily become bitter and every once in a while they'll shipwreck their entire faith because they haven't learned to wait upon God. But you know, those times of waiting for God can either be some of the most difficult, dry times in our life or they can be some of the most spiritually rewarding times that we've ever known when God draws us into a deeper more intimate relationship with Him. God always has purposes for making us wait. And as we continue to look at how to find God's will in our life, there are some things I want to share with you about how waiting fits into all this. And there's so much we could talk about here. There's so many different directions that we could go on this subject. But I want to show you a few things that I hope will help you Uh, when it comes to this business of waiting upon God. The first thing that you need to understand that is critical is that waiting is not an annoyance. It is part of the plan. 
It's not an annoyance. It's part of the plan. You know, I, I think that you and I are, are just hardwired in our fallen nature to view times of waiting in our lives as times of annoyances. Now, guys, we're especially bad about this. How many times, guys, have you planned a family trip somewhere? And you've gotten every point along the way timed to the minute of how it's all going to go down. And you're driving from here to Florida or wherever and you've planned everything along the way and you're hurrying the kids. Come on, come on, come on. Get in the car. We're two minutes late. Let's go. We've got to stay on schedule, right? Guys are terrible at this. And then you're cruising down the road and all of a sudden the traffic stops and you just sit and wait. What's the first thing you do? You get annoyed. And you get frustrated and you start tapping the steering wheel and thinking, come on, come on, what's the problem? Let's go. And you know, the thing is, we carry that same mentality over into our spiritual lives. We've got our plans and we're cruising along just fine and whenever a delay comes, the first thing that we do is view it as an annoyance. We have to learn that waiting is not the enemy of progress. God requires that His children learn to wait upon Him. And I'll tell you folks, you need to rest assured about this, that if you are not currently in a waiting pattern with God, you will be before long. You will be. Because God understands that there are lessons that He can teach us only in weight training, as one author put it, W-A-I-T, that He cannot teach us anywhere else. He just simply cannot. In the busyness of our life, in the rush of our schedules, in the noise of this world, God's voice often has a very difficult time getting through all of that to us. And He has to cause us to wait. The question is, are we going to view those times of waiting as you know, times of spiritual anxiety where we're frustrated and annoyed by the situation? Or are we going to try to use those times as times of spiritual growth and renewal? Waiting on God can become one of the greatest pathways of knowing God that you'll ever experience in your life if we allow them to. The first thing we must do is learn that waiting on God is not an annoyance. It is part of the plan. Waiting on God is not messing up His plan. It is part of the plan. Secondly, waiting is just as important as walking. Waiting is just as important as walking. Did you know that knowing when to wait is every bit as important as knowing when to walk? If you don't believe me, just go out here to 291 after the service and just start walking back and forth across those six lanes. And you'll learn very quickly the importance of knowing when to wait versus knowing when to walk. And it'll be a very painful lesson. Learning to wait is an essential component 
of learning to follow God. If you're unwilling to wait on God, I'm telling you, you'll never find His will. Because you'll always be off ahead of Him or off some side trail somewhere when God has asked you to wait right where you are. Waiting is part of the journey. And it's just as important as walking. You know, I have a tendency in life, and I'm slowly beginning to mature out of this, but I've always had a tendency of thinking, well, if I just get to point B, then when I get to point B, God can really do some things through my life. I struggled with that for a long time just because, you know, that's the way I think. You know, we get from here to here, And when we get to here, we've accomplished something and we can check it off our spiritual checklist and God will be really proud of us. And then, when we arrive there, God can really use us. Boy, God has taught me over the last few years, Phil, I'm not so much concerned about you you being at point B as I am with the journey along the way. And, and many times in life, even in the, the natural realm, when we're traveling from one place to another, all we're thinking about is getting to that place, and we miss all the beauty along the way. It just goes by in a blur. It's the same way in our spiritual lives. Waiting is just as important as walking. Some of you may think that waiting is, is being passive. But I like what G. Campbell Morgan wrote years ago. He said, Waiting on God is not laziness. Waiting for God is not going to sleep. Waiting for God is not the abandonment of effort. Waiting for God means first, activity under control. Man, I like that. You can chew on that a while. Activity under control. Second, it's readiness for any new command that may come. And third, It's the ability to do nothing until the command is given. How many of you have a hard time doing nothing? Feeling like you're wasting time? Like you have to be doing something all the time? You ever been around a person who can't stand silence? I mean, they have to be saying something constantly. You know, I don't mind people talking, but there are some times when silence is a really welcome thing. And some people just, I mean, it's just all the time because they're afraid of downtime. You know, oh, maybe if I don't talk, you know, he'll think I'm upset with him or something. Or, you know, we have to learn to balance both the active, busy times in our lives with the times of resting and waiting upon God because waiting is just as important as walking. Thirdly, this is really important. I, I didn't quite know how to word this, but, but, but three and four um, are going to go hand in hand. And, and I'll tell you, this is so important. Again, this is a lesson that God has taught me over the years so powerfully. I want you to get this. If you rush God's timing, you will only see the results that your hand can bring about. So many examples of this. I picked Abraham. Abraham did both. Abraham rushed God's timing and he then continued waiting for God's timing. You remember the story perhaps when Abraham was just a kid, a really young guy, 75 years old. 
God came to him and said, Abraham, I'm going to make you a promise. I know that your wife is barren, but I'm going to give to you a son through Sarah, and that son is going to become the father of a great nation. Abraham's like, man, that's great. So he starts watching the calendar. One month goes by, two months. Before you know it, a year goes by. And two years, and five years, and ten years, and fifteen years, and Abraham begins to grow impatient. Who wouldn't? And so Abraham thinks to himself, well, you know what? I know God said that he was going to bring forth this promised son through Sarah, but Sarah's really getting old. And bless her heart, I just don't think she can handle having a kid. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to help God out. And Abram, the Bible tells us, took his maidservant, Hagar, and had a child with her. Named him Ishmael. And Abraham must have thought, there you go, God. Anytime you need a hand, just give me a ring. I've taken care of it. Well, I know all of us have been to baby showers and they have those cute little cards that you give out, you know, with with the sparkles and all that stuff on it. And they have these nice little sayings to encourage you about your new baby. Here's the card that God gave for baby Ishmael. Genesis 16, 12. He will be a wild donkey of a man. That's a pretty good start to a new baby right there. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand will be against him and he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. Congratulations, Abe. You see, Abram said, I'm tired of waiting on God. And Frank, I'm not standing here in judgment of Abraham because if I was Abraham, I probably would have done that ten years earlier. But you see, Abraham rushed God's timing and the results that came from that were not God's results. They were disastrous. And the story goes on from there to even become more disastrous about what came out of that. But then Abraham realized he had blown it and so he gets back on track with God and he again starts to wait for God's promise and trust God and then when Abraham is a hundred years old, 25 years after the promise, Isaac was born of Sarah. And Isaac did become the great nation that God had promised. And I believe Abraham learned a powerful lesson, point number three that we're looking at today. If you rush God's timing, you will only see results that your hand can bring about and you will miss what God wanted to do. I want to share with you an important principle under this point. Sometimes Satan will try to get you to rush things by giving you a counterfeit of what God has asked you to wait for. I cannot tell you how important it is that you understand that principle. Sometimes Satan will try to get you to rush things by giving you a counterfeit of the very thing that God has asked you 
to wait for. I've experienced this in my life. And I'm sure that you have too. You know, the the one example that came to mind here was Jesus Himself. Jesus knew that one day, one day, every knee would bow before Him and every tongue would confess that He was Lord. He knew that. It says that in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9-11. through 11. And yet, what happened? When He began His ministry and He endured those 40 days of fasting and torment, and He came out of the other side of that waiting period, Satan showed up. He said, Jesus, come here. And Satan said to him, Jesus, if you will just bow down and worship Me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth, and they'll all bow down and worship you. See, it was a counterfeit. And Jesus refused to take the shortcut. And you and I, in our lives, must be very alert when God has said, wait for me on something that we don't accept a counterfeit from Satan just to speed things up. James chapter 1 is a great chapter that reminds us when you're going through hard times, when you're going through struggles, There's a phrase in there that I love. It says, let patience or perseverance finish its work. Those three words have helped me over the years immensely. You're going through a struggle, going through a hard time, having to wait, that's fine. You better let it finish its work so that you can be mature and complete, not lacking anything, James says. Don't take shortcuts. Don't rush things and try to do them in your time because I promise you folks, if you do, you will miss God's purpose, you'll miss His presence, and you'll miss His power. Now this final point, number four, is the flip side of what we just talked about in number three. If you do wait for God's timing, you will see results that only God can bring about. If you are willing to wait for Him, you'll see results that only God can bring about that you never could on your best day. You know, you may be able to satisfy your desires on your own terms, and I may be also, but they will never be as great as what God has planned for you. They never will be. It will always be second best. I think of Joseph who waited and endured one delay after another for years and years. But he never took matters into his own hands. He waited on God's timing. And man, look at at how God honored that at the end. I think of David. I don't know if you've ever caught this in reading through 1 Samuel and the first part of 2 Samuel, or maybe you've heard it taught on, but listen to this. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, David was anointed as king. But did you, we all know that part, but did you know that David had to wait about 20 years before he actually became king? We don't know for sure. Maybe, you know, give or take a couple years. Somewhere around 20 years, David had to wait. Now, he'd already been anointed as king. But he had to wait and wait and wait. And he had to endure an awful lot of difficult things during that time. 
twice King Saul tried to kill him and he escaped. Repeatedly Saul sent David into battle to try to do him harm. And David ended up spending years of running like a refugee, running, trying to get away from this madman Saul who wanted to take his life. I wonder how many nights David laid his head down and thought, God, am I dreaming or was there a time when the prophet Samuel came by my house and anointed me as king? God, what what in the world's going on here? Are you mocking me, God? Are you playing games with me? You anointed me as king and look at my life. It's in shambles. But here's the beautiful part of that story. David had at least two opportunities to kill King Saul. And he had every right to do it, by the way. Because Saul was trying to kill him. And as David stood there by a sleeping Saul, all he had to do was to draw his sword and run it through his heart. And David could have ended the waiting process. He could have sped things up and he could have become king just like that. But David refused to take the situation into his own hands and find a solution that was not God's solution. He even cut off a corner of the king's garment while he was sleeping and then showed it to him and said, look what I could have done, and I didn't do it. He refused to take matters into his own hands. And here's the awesome part. Because he was willing to wait on God's timing and not do it in his own timing, when he finally did assume the throne... There was absolutely no doubt whatsoever in David's mind that it was God who had put him there and not he himself. 2 Samuel 5.12 says, And David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel and had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. He knew that the Lord had put him on the throne. It's not that David didn't have opportunities to shortcut the process and go ahead and... I mean, after all, look, didn't he have the right to do that? Careful now, did he? I mean, he had been anointed king over Israel. Surely, in our view, David had every right to say, I mean, it's done. We've had witnesses. I am the king. Let's go ahead and make this happen right now. And yet David was willing to wait for about 20 years living through all kinds of hell in order to see God's timing come to fruition. I'll tell you, in this church, in the short life of this church, I am so proud to see how we've been willing to wait for God's perfect timing to come about. We've seen it a number of times here. And there have been times when it has been very difficult to wait. Because we've sat in meetings... And we've thought things through and we've known that we could go ahead and and push forward and make some things happen in this church, but we just felt like God was saying, just back off. Just wait. And we've waited 
And I'll tell you what, folks, the beauty of waiting is what you see right there on the screen, number four. If you wait, you will see God do things that only God can do. And if you fail to wait, you'll miss that. How many of you long to see God's power in your life? How many of you do? I do. I long to see that. But if I rush ahead of God, I've just missed another opportunity to see God show Himself strong in that situation. Maybe this morning you're in a place in your life where you're having to wait on God. And you know, there's, there's two different types of waiting that I've found. Sometimes we wait and we know that we could go ahead and solve it just like that. But sometimes we're waiting in a situation and we know that it is so far beyond our grasp to solve this situation that there's nothing we can do. Now, I don't have a real hard time waiting in those situations when I know there's nothing I can do to resolve it. I'm okay with that. I'm like, God, that's fine. I don't know what to do anyway. I'll just wait. Let me tell you where I struggle. I struggle when I'm waiting in a situation that I know I could solve and God has told me to wait. I've got things in my life right now that I could solve with one phone call or one meeting. Just like that. And God said, Phil, just wait. You want me to show up? You want me to show myself strong? Just put the brakes on, pal. Just wait. I'll tell you folks, there are times of waiting that are going to come into your life that are absolutely going to torment you, cause you to doubt everything you've ever believed about God. And, and I'm telling you, if, if you haven't been there in your Christian walk, uh, it's just a matter of time. You just keep walking with God. Those of you here today who have some miles on your odometer with God, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There are times when you pray and you cry and you call upon God and it seems that He's left and He's moved off somewhere and completely forgotten about you. But I want to share with you a very, very encouraging passage of Scripture. Turn to Isaiah chapter 40 as we close. See, God can use those times in our lives to renew our strength, to build our faith, to cause us to understand that we don't need everything right now. How many of you teach your kids to wait? Yeah, duh, of course, we all do. No, buddy, you don't, you don't need that today. I want to teach you to wait so that you'll appreciate what you have and you'll appreciate what you get when you do get it. God is doing the same thing in your life and mine. And God can take those times of waiting when you feel like He has turned His back on you and He can absolutely use those times to make you a stronger, better person. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. You ever felt that way? It's okay to be honest. My cause is disregarded by my God. Verse 28, Do you not know? 
Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Some of the hardest times in my life are when I feel that God has stepped back. That He's no longer at work in my life and I have to wait. When we were on the men's retreat Friday and Saturday, I had some time to just get away by the lake and just sit and reflect. And uh, I was thinking through this message at one point there. And I was thinking through some things in, in my life that I just wish God would, would move on. And um, I, just, I wrote something down and I just I brought it today. I don't know if it will mean anything to anybody, but it may. So I want to try to be obedient to God if He's asking me to say something. I, just, I wrote this down. Let me just read it to you and see if it's a help. The skillful artist takes his time with each careful stroke of the brush. But after a long while, a masterpiece finally appears. God is painting a masterpiece in my life. But never forget that God is just as much at work when the brush is not touching the canvas as when it is. Just because God doesn't seem to be painting anything in my life right now doesn't mean He's forgotten me. You never know, while the brush is withdrawn from the canvas, God may be using that time to mix the most beautiful color you've ever seen. And before long, His brush will add that brilliant color to my life. Last week we talked about stepping out on faith and following God, but I'll tell you, gang, there, there are times when the bravest thing we can do is to be still and to wait on God. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I pray that if you this morning are in a holding pattern, you feel like God has left, that He's not listening, I pray that you will take that time View it not as an annoyance, but a time to renew your strength and your relationship with God. Let's pray. Lord, I thank You so much for the things that You teach us in the still times. And everything, Father, everything in this world yells at us to not wait, to not be patient. There's no need. We can get what we want right now. But I thank You for Your Word that reminds us today of the importance of stopping and waiting. Lord, if You've told us to step out, we need to step out. But if there's no peace, 
if you haven't confirmed your will in a certain situation, then the best thing that we can do is to wait. And I pray for anyone here this morning who is really struggling with this business of waiting and, and perhaps secretly they've just about made up their mind to quit and to just throw in the towel on this whole business. God, I pray for them. I pray you'd lift them up this morning through your word. Give them renewed strength. Help them to see that it may not be long before the wait is over. I pray you'd help us all to learn the lessons we need to from these quiet times with you, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.